When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Support for Heart and Hand is brought to you by Manscaped. Now, folks, I've had a tough couple of weeks and I didn't have a lot of hair left to pull out anyway. But one area where I do have hair, and frankly, I'm going to keep it, is in my trousers. However, I know a lot of you, um, much to my own surprise, enjoy nothing more than a Sean Scrotum, as Dr. Evil told us all those years ago. It's breathtaking. And I'm also reliably informed uh, it's popular with your partner um, who enjoy that sort of thing if uh, they don't want to wade through a forest to get to the goodies. But, uh, yep, Manscaped, if you are one of those people who enjoys, um, shall we say, going au naturel in the tackle department that's uh, the company to go with uh, it's sleek well de- uh, designed optimised trimmer and it makes shaving one of your favourite things to do in the bathroom uh, I didn't know that we had a list of favourite things to do in the bathroom but anyway um, the the new 4.0 is absolutely fantastic I mean this thing I, I, I tried it on my face and it works so I mean with the slightly less shall we say uh toughened up hair in the in the kind of front bottom area then i think you'll be on to a winner um, manscape engineered the ultimate body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality it's very comfortable grooming experience this is a fourth generation trimmer um, and it's a, a cutting edge ceramic blade so it'll reduce grooming accidents nobody wants a nick on their nuts let's be honest so if manscaped are the thing for you if you want to hit the dancing this weekend um your face might be covered but let's make sure that your cock and balls aren't uh all you need to do is go to manscaped.com and use the code rangers that's 20 percent off and free shipping if you go to manscaped.com and uh use the code rangers don't send me photos Hello everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. The podcast 
of the champions. My name's David Edgar. I'm your host, as I am every week. And joining me, I'm absolutely delighted to say, uh, a very well-kent face around Rangers fan media. He is, of course, the owner and editor of the Four Lads Had a Dream blog. And also, I'm glad to say, a very regular participator on Heart and Hand itself. It's Stephen Clifford. Good afternoon, Stevie. Good afternoon, David. Thanks for that welcome. That was very nice of you. Good to be here. Um, a nice result of the weekend to discuss. Yeah, let's let's get straight into that then, Stevie. Rangers travelling to St Johnston. A, a big game. St Johnston, of course, double cup winners last season. Rangers champions by, I think, 106 points or something. So it, it, it was really the, you know, the two most successful teams of the last, the last season or so meeting up. And look, St Johnston are very good at what they do. Now, what they do when they're playing us uh, would make your eyes bleed. But... I'm never a great one for complaining about teams setting up that way against us. Sure, I wouldn't like to watch it, but we are the bigger team. We've got more money. It's up to us to to break them down. And it is tough. It's especially tough when they take the lead because when they sit in, they're very good at occupying space, at slowing the game down. Uh, there was a point in the second half where there was no ball available for a good 30 or 40 seconds, which I, I doubt was an accident. But I think it showed something about this Rangers team, which still is absolutely nowhere near firing on all cylinders. But it did find a way to get a victory in a very tough situation. Stephen Gerrard spoke afterwards about that's what champions do. And and there is a lot of truth to that statement. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the game really is in two parts because I thought we were fairly comfortable, if unspectacular, in the first half. And then obviously losing a a poor goal, you need to show a different side. And it's a side, David, that we have asked for um, in the first couple of years that Steven Gerrard was there. And now I feel that that's established within this group, that when they do go behind or when they do get a setback, they can bounce back. Um, And not to harp on about before, but these these were things, David, that we asked for. Oh, absolutely. Uh, We asked for that character. We asked for that spirit. Um, and to find ways, and that's what we did. And I was, and, and we'll come on to it, I'm sure, and cover it in, in more detail as, as the pod progresses. But I was really impressed with certain members of the squad who took it upon themselves, I think, to really push Rangers forward. And when you're in a situation like that, and you're already playing a defensive side who are who have got one tactic, and again, no complaints because they play it very well, like you say. Um, all credit to them for that. But we've got to then really dig deep, and, and we did. And that was that was what impressed me. I just wish that you know the the flip side of that is I wish we had started like that. Mm-hmm. But um, everything that we wanted, the proper re- response, the proper character, the the, the proper um, passion, etc., was showed when we went one down. And to come away with a victory is is a very good result because that's probably a tough and away trip as we're going to get. So I think we can take a lot from it. Uh, I think there's a lot of positives. We just had to kind of wait for them to, to come. And I know you were at it, David. And, um, you know, it's all you always get. I, I know you watch games as well when you get home. I don't know if you sometimes watch the game at home and, and think differently. but Oh, I very thought, often. Very yeah, often. I, I thought we were very comfortable in the first half. Yeah, I think in the first half we were comfortable, but without hurting them that much. Um, before yep. the game, obviously, the, the news came about Connor Goldson, which was a, a big blow. He's just been Mr. Ever-Present every minute. 81 starts in succession, I think. And obviously it was was brought to an end by illness, which is a real, real shame. 
Uh, so there was an unfamiliarity, but you're right. In the first half, I thought at the time I thought we were a little bit slow, a little bit passive. You're right, we weren't under any significant danger. St. Johnson played Michael Halloran through the middle. Um, Michael Halloran has a lot of flaws in his game uh, and his attitude, but one thing he does have is pace. Um, and of course, St. Johnston famously under Warburton exploited that really well. And I think when Rangers signed War, uh, when Warburton signed them for Rangers, I think the idea was to convert him into that role, you know, that kind of Jonathan Johansson role, where you would use that pace. But of course, Rangers very rarely get to play teams who have a defence as high up the park as ours because we dominate possession. So it never worked out for him. And, and of course, there's you know other reasons for that. I think he's one of these guys who I don't think he's a you know. I don't think he's as fully committed to to his football as he could be, and that's why he's he's basically just kicking about at St. Johnson. He's not even a regular starter at St. Johnson, but he does have pace and, and on his day can cause you trouble. So their tactic was fairly obvious. They were without Ali McCann and Jason Kerr, who I would argue are the two best players, or were the two best players, but both went on the last day of the transfer window. But they're well coached. The rest of that team know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly where they're supposed to be. Uh, Callum Davidson simplifies it well for them. They all have a job and they all do it to the very best of their ability and, and they never lack for effort. So I think Rangers were trying a few things in the first half, didn't quite come off. On that, you made a point there and I want to, to just circle back a wee bit to it. I have long held the opinion that Rangers are a wee bit sluggish coming out the door in the early kickoffs. Now, the problem with that is, is once an idea takes a hold then I worry that sometimes I'm just looking for confirmation bias. You know, I'm just looking for, well, I think this and that proves it. And that I, maybe I subconsciously ignore the other evidence. But it does happen a fair bit in these games now. It was just after the international break. I get it. And that's, you know, a lot of teams come back a little bit slowly from that. Away from home, tough fixture. But it's not the first time that we've sat after the game texting each other and said, slow start again. Yeah, and that that is a, a concern, um, definitely a concern. One of the words you used, I think, is very prevalent and, and on on the mark with it is is passive, which is when when we have the ball and, and we're side to side and we're not inventive or hurting teams or playing in between the lines. And this is what I kind of wanted to cover, and, and I know we'll get there. But when we went behind, certain members of the team took it upon themselves to be more direct, more aggressive, and it and immediately had. An impact, and we got the rewards from that. I would just like to see that from the start a wee bit more. And I think that we are very much coached to be patient, and we're very much coached to take our time and be, you know, and, and be nice and, and move it about well, which is all great. And I really like that, and and I like the way we set up. It's not a complaint or overall, but I would just like to see us go from it, the start a wee bit more, and and be the team that we were on fifty five minutes from mm. the start yeah and what we did when we went behind in particular that you know i hope we come to this and it's, it's kind of joe Rebo and ryan kent david for me grabbed the game and if you look at the first goal in particular they were very Aribo comes in very direct kent just a simple move very direct and from that penalty you'll see obviously how deep st johnston were as well yeah. and understand it's really difficult to play through but we can make it easy for teams when we knock it side to side and we're not stretching or trying to hurt them. But one thing, and I don't know again if, if this is me looking for you know positives, see at half time, 
I was genuinely sitting and thinking that Kamar Roof is beginning to look a bit sharper. He was beginning to look more um, involved. He was beginning to look like he wanted to make things happen. Mm. And this, like, I, you know that I'm not like a massive fan of, of Roof in terms of I think that he can be a lot better. I like him, I like him as a player, but I think he can give us a lot more. Well, I was starting to see signs of encouragement in that first half on Saturday. So that pleased me at nil-nil. And then as we went on, him grabbing the penalty and things like that. So that was one of my positives out of Saturday, David, that I took away from it. But I think Kamar Roof's starting to head towards what I would consider him to be like peak fitness. Because I always say that it takes him four or five games to get into it. And he, for me, I still think he's going to be massive this season and do big numbers and things. So that that was a pleasing thing, aside of, you know, I'm kind of floating slightly away from what we're discussing, but that was a positive of the first half. But other than that, like you were saying, it was very side to side, it was very passive. And I just think that, I don't know if it's a coaching thing, I can't see for any reason that Stephen Gerrard and Michael Beale would be happy with that, would be happy with us taking their time. They would want us to be more incisive and more direct I think as well only really one time we played between the lines which Roof dropped in he managed to spin and get his shot away which was a spectacular but comfortable save mm. and I think apart from that we were we were pretty I don't want to say pedestrian because I don't think that's fair I think that's harsh but I think passive the word you used is, is pretty much spot on and I would just like I'd like to see some more urgency yeah I think the first of all on, on Kamar Roof I, I totally agree, um, and I think I, I might have said at, at half time that all the best stuff we did involved him in the first half. I felt, and you're right. In the second half, he did have that commitment, and he did have that uh, drive, and I think that people responded to it. Um, incidentally, we'll come to the penalty. I love strikers wanting to hit penalties. Yeah, me too. Pet hates a minor strikers who don't want to hit penalties or do want to hit corners. Um, I always we were raised in the era of Ali McCoist, Stephen. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. he said that one time, he's like, hit a corner, no chance. I want to be in the six-yard box because <laughs> that's, that's where I'll get a goal from. And I think that actually always stuck me. So I, I, I agree with you. I don't like to see fights over the ball, but it wasn't like that. I think Kamar had the ball. James Tavernier said, are you happy to hit it? And he went, yeah, and Tav let him. That's fine. I hate wrestling over a penalty. I think we all do. I think managers do. Agree. Do you know something as well, David? Sorry to interject in here. I wonder, and this is another big plus for me, because if it's true, and obviously we're not going to go know the answer unless we do get the chance to ask it at some point, but I wonder if Kamar Roof is trying to then exercise some of the, the ghosts of, of his cup miss a couple of months ago against St. Johnston at last season's Scottish Cup. If he's, to, if he's thinking to myself, no, right, I'm taking this, I'm nailing that, and that to me is really good because it shows such a good attitude, determination, positive, and the self-belief that he can not put it out of his mind, but back in the penalties, scores against the, the, the team that he missed against or the keeper that saved it, and he's he's up and up and running and getting towards where he needs to be. So although I'm maybe looking for things, maybe, you know, could be accused of being too positive with that possibly, but I, I thought that at the time, and that's why I was really pleased as well that he he, he took it. Obviously, the, the fact that he scored and he scored very well makes it a lot better. But no, it was it was a uh, I was I was happy like you to see him have the confidence and and the balls are supposed to take that. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, I, I do. I think in the first half he looked, as you say, not quite 
the player that we know he, he is, but getting there and uh, really on the way to it. Yeah, on the way to it, and and you could I I got the sense that he feels that too, which which was great news. I think a difference that I noticed watching the game back in the first half, the centre halves are going to have a lot of the ball in that type of game, but it was it was three touches, whereas in the second half it was one or two, and that sped us up. All you know, all the players, but it started at the back. It started with the centre backs. That in the first half they were taking the pass, controlling it, turning round to have a look, taking another touch, then the pass, and it it, it didn't really move St. Johnson. I think that you know I can hear Adam, our tactics guy, saying when Rangers are doing that, it's not just aimless. It's it tires out the opposition because they've got to be switched on all the time. Rangers are probing, looking for a gap. But I think that's more true if it's done at speed. And I don't think it's coincidence that we got through in the second half when we were doing it more at speed. And uh, I remember asking on on the Heart and Hand podcast, I asked Kevin Thompson about, you know, slow starts, quick starts, because obviously teams don't plan to go out and start slowly. And he said, look, see a manager who figures out how to, to do that or how to make sure it doesn't happen will be the most sought-after richest manager in the history of football. And he said, there's, there's no rhyme or reason to it. He said, there are just some days everybody feels it and clicks and goes out like a train and nothing can stop you. And he says, there are other days where it takes a while and you've actually got to grit your teeth and go, right, come on, all of us. Uh, which, of course, that Walter side that he played in was was so good at when they weren't quite on it to be able to go out and do that. So, you know, I know it's not a tactic and I know it's not something that managers can just flick a switch and players go out and, and are on it right from the start. So, you know, but equally, when it happens quite a few times, then you look at why it's happening. Into the second half, and, you know, I think we were all expecting to Rangers to step up a gear. It was a bad goal to concede. It was a simple high ball over the top. Philip Hellander absolutely doesn't cover himself in glory. We love Phil, absolutely. Um, brilliant player. We'll talk about his injury in a minute. But he didn't do particularly well. To be fair to O'Halloran, it's a good strike and it's 1-0. And at that point, it did look... Because a goal at that point had looked, you know, quite a difficult thing. But two at that point looked a long way away. It, it was a bad goal. And... A wee bit like at Ross County, uh, there were defensive mistakes that led to their goals, but there were a couple of times they got in with simple long balls over the top, and we've got to be better at that. Yeah, I think that's concerning. There was, I think it was threefold, the goal in my mind, certainly. The first one was Ryan Kent didn't put near enough enough pressure on the boy that played the pass. He was he was five, ten yards away and half-heartedly closing it down. And I know for a fact that... Um, the management won't be happy because they always talk about defending starts from the front. So that's something that shouldn't happen. The next thing that happened was that Balogun and Holanda weren't on line. So Holanda was deep, Balogun was 10, 15 yards ahead of him, and that space is what O'Halloran runs into. If they're on line and closer together, David, I don't think he gets that run as easily. So they'll look at that. And then after managing to get over, which sometimes happens if there's pace or whatever, I get that, then like you say, Holander is, isn't you know, he's, he's, he gets tangled and 
he isn't comfortable and, and we know what happens next. So there's three bits to that, I think, that where we should have and probably could have done better. Ultimately, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying about Phil. He, he needs to do better in that situation. And it's very uncharacteristic for him. Yes, it is. To, to get not, caught like that. Yeah. We're not going to hammer Philip Helander. No, absolutely not. Defender. And in case anybody thinks we've been really harsh on him, he just, you know, he didn't do particularly well at one. Got it happens. Um, yeah, but I think it, it's also fair to highlight it, David, because, you know, we 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 do get accused of being cheerleaders at times, and I think it's fair to say that he didn't do well. He didn't. I mean, it was a bad goal. Um, great from a St. Johnson point of view. You know, good pass. O'Halloran gets it. Good finish. But from our point of view. Is it a preventable goal? Sometimes there's not a lot you can do about it. That was one that falls into the preventable category. And as you said, Rangers, they didn't they didn't flinch and they didn't panic. And we didn't have one of those spells, <coughs> pardon me, that we've seen uh, in the past, which is that uh, Rangers go into their shell for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and, and really lose the opportunity to go and get back into the game because they allow the other team to get set. Rangers just went straight at them. When we got back into it, it was a penalty. Um, great play by Ryan Kent, as you said. They're maybe you know trying to make up for his part in the goal because players are we're shouting at him for not having closed down. And he's not fully fit, Ryan Kent. He is carrying a slight injury, but such as his importance to the team and such as he's willing, and I think he deserves credit for that. I mean, he was nowhere near fit against Celtic, but he and the and the management team knew the effect he has on Celtic and what a boost it would give the support just to have him there. Um, but again, it's that determination, it's that spirit, it's that heart. Lovely bit of play to get into the box and then you know, Stonewall penalty kick. I know Callum Davidson said how he hung his leg out. He didn't, he just, the boy goes in to make a block, Kent doesn't shoot, he checks back and the boy rattles into him. Stephen, you're a referee, you're a qualified referee, you do games most weekend. Was that a penalty? It was a stonewall penalty, and he's very fortunate he didn't go off, David, in all honesty. Yeah, because he was um, on a booking. Yeah, and there's two reasons why I say that. Um, the first tackle he made was was very hard, the very hard borderline caution. The injury. one on Kent, not, yeah, in the it's first not half strong was enough. a bad one. Aye. It's not strong enough, David, for me to be a red, but I understand if it would have been a red kind of one, and I think that, and this will sound maybe a bit silly, that see if he had red-carded McLaughlin, right, which he shouldn't have done. I thought he got that spot on as well. But if he had, then I think that boy goes for that challenge. But I think on the basis and the way the game was, a yellow at that point was probably correct. Now, we can slow it down and look at it and look at the way he went in recklessly and things like that. I get all that and understand people saying, but at the time, I thought the decision... Um, that Colin made, and you and I both know we sat next to each other at Real Madrid game and laughed at him, and um, I'm no fan but I thought on Saturday he got the big ones correct. Penalty decision for me, the reason why I would have been in a situation myself if that had happened in front of me, it's not only the fact that he goes to ground, but it's the angle he goes in on Kent, he, he literally goes in and takes Kent from behind, he takes Kent from calf through the back of him Yeah. now the, the thing that made it look on, on the first angle that we see it, the normal camera angle, where it looks more or less like there's been slight contact, is the fact that Kent doesn't over-embellish it. He just mm. goes down the way he should because his leg's been taken, so he almost falls just to his knees. It's the reverse camera angle we see, which is closer, you see he's been completely wiped out, and that's credit to Kent. 
And this is what I was going on about before, David, about Aribo and Kent taking the game by the scruff of the neck and pushing Rangers in. There was something key that happened. Both players went central, went direct. Kent cut into the box and went straight for the heart of St Johnston. Aribo comes in from the other side, straight to the heart of St Johnston, direct at the goal. That hadn't happened yet. That's the first time that they two had affected the game the way we know we can. And it was almost like they had said to each other, not out loud or in, but, you know, good players just grab games. And they two at that point for me made that happen. Stonewall penalty, as we've discussed. I, I still, as to repeat myself, I think that boy was lucky. He stayed on. Um, and a great dispatch of, of the penalty kick. Um, and... You know, we've discussed it, the kind of behind why, why he's taking it and things like that. But good to see Ruth do it. What followed was pretty pathetic, to be honest. Again, I've read people say, I thought Colm dealt with it well. I thought that lesser referees would have responded to Craig's play acting and maybe put Ruth off. But Ruth shouldn't be going head to head with anybody in the letter of the law. So he's, he's done the correct thing. Maybe um, Morelos and um, the the right back. I can't remember Sir Johnson Boy, the one with the white hair that we don't really like that much. Rooney, I remember his name. Um, Rooney. Rooney, that's it. They both got cautioned as well, and maybe that was a bit soft. But in terms of dealing with it, stamping it out, and, and getting on with it, I thought it was it was fairly well handled. I was a bit concerned when Craig went down because some referees will bulk under that pressure and, and go straight for red. But he dealt with it and then onwards we go. And I don't think there's there's no criticism for me of Ruth because Ruth grabbed the ball and he didn't do anything there. It was Craig trying to get into him. and mm. so Craig that tried was... to rip the ball off. He had the ball. Yeah, he ran, right. he'd got like, it. He'd, he'd got yeah. it. Um, I was right in line. Um, and typically of all the weeks that I would be in the front bloody row, <laughs> um, I was right in line with the 18-yard box in the front row and saw the incident that happened right in front of me. Uh, look, I'm no fan of Willie Collum. I think he's a bad referee. I think he's it's all about him and at times and I think that he he can he can ruin games by that where he he has to be the centre of attention. But that incident, I have to say, and even the guys around about me who were no fans of Willie Collum, we all said he actually handled that quite well. First thing he did was he gave himself time to think about it, didn't just grab a card then when he did bring a when he brought them all together the card he brought out was yellow and that just calmed everybody down because they realized that there wasn't going to be a red card i've never seen a quadruple booking in a winner before but i can see why he gave them it all because ruth and ruth and the st johnson player go sort of almost they go head to head but they don't make a button motion does that make sense yeah absolutely neither backs down but neither does make the headbutt motion um, so a yellow card seemed seemed fine. Alfie, by the, by the, sorry, just to give you the the definition of the, the law of the game, anybody who goes head to head is an automatic caution. So that's why both. Right. Well, that, that, so that's no complaints. On. But but yep. neither did the forward jutting motion that would result in a red. Um, Alfie runs in and he was probably fortunate that it happened right in front of Cole. I mean, literally right in front of him. Because and Alfie's aware because he runs past the referee to do it, and and all he does is he puts his hand out to kind of 
not in a shoving motion. And I know that this sounds like I'm pick, I'm splitting hairs, but I'm really not. It was just as a case of just holding the guy back. He was trying um, in the in the chest. It was not a, at his face. It was not a, a shove. It was just he was putting his arm out to sort of hold the guy back from getting involved in the. Uh, Liam Craig, I think it was, from getting involved in the spat between Rooney and uh, Kamar Roof. And the guy dropped like he'd been hit, which was utterly embarrassing. And Alfie immediately turned around to Colm and went, you saw that? And Colm sort of nodded to him and said, yes, I did. Um, he could have been in trouble had it been a different angle, but Colm, I think, was well aware of, of what had happened there. So he booked Alfie, I think, for putting his hand up at all. But I think he knew it wasn't a swing and it wasn't even a shove and it was in the chest uh, and I actually think he booked uh, I think he might have booked I'd be interested to see the report, I think he might have booked Liam Craig for simulation Well he's either booked him for simulation for going down or he's, he's booked him more likely he's booked him for the head to head thing but either way he's uh, I think he's correctly kind of cautioned and, and dealt with it as, as probably as well as we could. As I said Dave, I know it's I know it's a silly thing to say but referees in that circumstance can be really easily laid and that's not silly. First, you know, the first thing to do is go for the red. So mm, yeah. I'm not pleased that he dealt with it properly because he should deal with it properly, but um pleasantly surprised. Aye, that's it. Yeah, we have sat next to each other at games and, and discussed him the whole, you know, adding on four or five minutes him, yeah. after the, the, the Real Madrid yeah. friendly. And then to be told by Carlo Ancelotti just to stop the game, which he ended up doing, was, was ridiculous. Yeah. So um, you know, we we've we were not defending him, but I think a wee bit of credit where it's due. I thought overall on Saturday, um, he he done fine. I know there's been complaints about it since, and it is difficult when you you know you have twenty thirty replays and can slow it down completely. So um, you know, one one at that point. Changes everything. I thought we were, I thought we were at that point in the, and not in the driving seat, I suppose, but I thought and hoped that mo- most likely we would kick on. And for me, it was about will we kick on from this? Will we then go and drive, or will we sit back for five minutes and let them reset? And we didn't, and we did begin now to work them hard. That thing we spoke about earlier, where you are tiring them out, you are making them chase you. That said. Our, our non-penalty expected goals, for those of you like that, was 0.53. St. Johnson were not letting us in for clear-cut chances that we were squandering. There was one just before the penalty when Tav puts a delicious ball across that Alfie just couldn't get on the end of. But that apart, we weren't really... You got the impression it was going to take a mistake or something special. Well, it was the latter. Tav stepped forward... Again, the the position I was in because I was right in line with where he was when he hit it, and I I saw the dip and and that's got a chance. You know that way that you you, you have time almost in your brain to go, oh that that's got a chance, and then it dipped just under the bar. Um, it looked a fantastic strike from where I was, but when I saw it back, my goodness, for me this is up there with the goal at Tanadice because although the goal at Tanadice was a bit more spectacular. It was a free kick. This one, he's got guys closing him down, guys coming in at him, bodies all over the shop. It's a, a, I'm not saying it's better, but I'm saying it's up there. What a strike this was. And do you know what will probably sound just as, as, as silly to, to people listening perhaps is, not only was the strike good, see his touch. His touch yeah, set up. Yeah. It, it's not a difficult pass. You know, it's an easy pass for Kent, but the... 
the strength of touch in terms of he just rolls it perfectly in front of him. He takes one look. He sees that the goalie's expecting a cross off his, off his line and he just whips through it and it just dips lovely. David, I, I can't even dream of kicking the ball that high. No. no. Never mind getting the trajectory and the whip and the power and everything. It was a beautiful moment. And like you... Um, at the ground, I, I, I wasn't. I was working Saturday and, and managed to to um, get a, a, a quiet period. So I saw the whole game on on my phone. As soon as he hit it, I, I thought that's in, and uh, I'll add just quietly that the whole office heard when he went in. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I forgot where I was. I've got to have care- it these days. Yep. Yeah, be careful these days. There are eyes everywhere, and uh, well, just, it was just a cheer. Don't worry. Uh, in ten in ten years' time, you might get pulled. You might be on the front page of the paper for that cheer. You never know. But uh, I don't. I, I, I'll, I'll move on because I don't want to see you getting any trouble. But yeah, a, a fabulous goal, oh, and, and I think it really kind of took the, the wind out of the sails of St. Johnson. But afterwards, they you know they did come at us. They began to just shell balls into the box hoping for a break or something. They had one really good chance that they should have scored from, uh, and it was the incident, I think, that led to Philip Hellander's injury. I'm always worried when a player looks like he thinks he's done something serious. Where we are right now, we've had no update, we don't know, so we can't we can't say that we haven't heard the results of the scan on Philip Hellander yet, but it, it did look a bad one. I think instantly you worry because... I always think that the worst injuries are the players that don't make it look theatrical. They don't do five rolls. They just either get up and realise, oh, something's wrong, or they just sit down and shout somebody over because they themselves know. I think Philip Hillander is a type of player that will know himself. Not only was that worrying, and then when Stephen Gerrard comes out post-match and says that he's really concerned and, and says what he says about it. So he'll have... He'll have been told by the medical staff. He'll have had an idea of what the injury could be, or, or you know, how serious it could be. So for him to come out and say that's worrying, and it's just dreadfully unlucky for Hollander to go from the, you know, the pinnacle, the heights of, you know, the the old firm goal two weeks ago to being the hero, um, the one all the support are talking about to two weeks later potentially getting a really serious injury. Not only is it bad news. Excuse me, for him, it's terrible news for us because Nico Katic is obviously out on loan. Thankfully, we could recall him in January if it's a really bad one. But we want Nico to be getting game time, so hopefully it's not. But it leaves us short. So that's a huge issue, especially with, you know, I don't, David, since the season starts, I don't think we've had much luck when it comes to injuries, suspensions. COVID-related issues, and I think this is just another wee one. But what I do like about it is that um, it just kind of points to Celtic game, you know, and we've dug in and we've rolled up our sleeves and we've done it again on Saturday, and that's the huge bonus plus points for me. You don't have to always play well, and we all hope, obviously, that'll come, but something that we've lacked previously, this squad now has an abundance and I think that's a real spirit, a real determination, a real ability to get over little hurdles and, and, and things that are thrown at them. And I think they've proved that. You know, Gerard had a wee bit of a go at them after Alice Kerr and stuff like that. And they've came back, that's three league wins in a row, they've qualified through the Europa and things like that. So I'm hoping that we're going to come out of 
the other side of that in terms of starting to play the the, the good attractive football that I know that we can. And that's not to say that they're, they're playing terribly. I don't think they are playing terribly. I just obviously think there's a, a bit more to go. So Hollander's injury is just another little bump in the road that we're going to have to find a way, way around. And I think we will. I think we can. On the end of the game then, it, it felt bad because obviously a whole nilly does. But I'm sure I wasn't the only one when I saw Xander Clark going up. In the last Mark minute for a him. corner. Mark uh, it was just surely to God oh, not man. again. Um, the, the, this can't happen twice. But can we stop giving away corners in the very last minute? Because we did it against Celtic as well, remember? And oh, yeah. although we dealt with both of them, can we just get out of this habit, please, of giving away corners in the last seconds of a match? But, yep, got the victory down the road, chips and him, as uh, Emma Dodds would say, and uh, a really solid and good victory. It came at a cost. Philip Hellander out. Um, Connor Goldson won't be out for long, which is good news. But for the Europa League on Thursday, unless Connor Goldson gets back because Jack Simpson isn't in the Euro squad, we could be looking at a defence of Calvin Bassey and uh, Liam Balligan. Both are, are good players. Both are, have been very useful contributions to Rangers, but I don't think it's unfair to say that that is a concern. Yeah, absolutely, is a concern. Um, against and there's no point trying to sugarcoat it. Musa Dembele is um, a good player. You yeah, he's a very he good is. player. He's he's on great form. He scored an excellent goal last night. He's got the movement and the ability to hurt you. So you would hope that we would have had our top choice, but we could effectively be looking at our fifth kind of emergency choice centre-back pairing. But, David, and you know this, and and we've grown up in eras where some of our best results have come from spells where we've been written off and we've had a patched-up team. Two weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. Or or, or way back when, you know, back in the glory days of me growing up where John Brown had, you know, one leg and... (laughs) <laughs> and still came through at centre half and stuff like that. So I would never write off Rangers. It's going to be a challenge in terms of, you know, not having that centre back pairing. But as you said, Balogun is an international player. He's a very good player. Calvin Bassey's form so far has been exceptional. Um, so if he has to move in, it's not like you're throwing in young kids that are untested. Bassey has got enough experience now where we can look at him as as not being you know, um, immature player-wise, experience-wise, etc. So I'm not going to say that it's my choice, but I'd, I'm comfortable with, well, if that's what we have to go with, that's what we have to go with. Um, and I'd trust them to, to try and do a job. It's a shame for Jack Simpson because at some point, David, he's going to have to sink or swim in terms of whether or not he's he's got the ability to play for Rangers. And this might be the the chance that he gets and he's either going to flourish or he's not going to make it. I don't think there's going to be an in-between. I don't think he looks like the sort of player for me that, you know, is going to be a a comfortable centre-half. I think he's either going to kick on or or he's he's not going to make it. I thought he'd done fine when he came on at the weekend. Um, He he does remind me, he reminds me a lot of Joe Worrell in terms of the the rawness that we we had when, when he was here. And we know that it took Conor Goldson a wee while as well. And they have said he's a project, and I've said that in the past. But I do feel that, I just feel a wee bit sorry for him in terms of 
like Thursday night, a really good performance, you know, in Europe in a big game like that could have been the one that kicked him on. So that's disappointing for him. But if it's Bassey and it's Balogun, then we just roll up our sleeves and get on with it. He's got, got good cover either side in terms of Barisic and Tav with experience and they'll have McGregor behind them. So it's not ideal, but it's a big night. It's an exciting game and I'm sure they'll relish it rather than, than being apprehensive about it. The manager spoke about Jack Simpson and how much he believes in him. I think it's difficult for us as Rangers fans because I don't think that he's had the signal standout performance yet so far. Um, he hasn't been awful either, but at the moment, I just don't think he's quite convinced anyone that, yeah, that's a guy we can hang our hat on. Maybe opportunities will come up in the next few weeks where he'll, he'll, he'll prove everybody wrong. And I mean, certainly the management team believe in him a great deal, but yeah, the, the, there is an air of uncertainty, I think, from the fans that's understandable. I mean, I'm certainly when I see him, I'm like, mm, um, we'll need to we'll need to see how this goes. But like I say, it's it's you know the, the management signed him. They, they he's fourth choice ahead of other players that might have taken that role. So we'll need to see what happens over the next few weeks with that. For me, Stephen, one of the key things in Europe for any Rangers team going back all the years that that I've been watching Rangers. Um, is keeping the ball and using the ball well in Europe because, you know, in Scotland, obviously it's important that you keep the ball, but we're Rangers and we're better than the opposition. If, if we give the ball away, there's a good chance we'll get it back quite quickly. Against top quality European opposition, if you don't handle the ball well, if you don't use the ball well, you'll be in trouble because um, they'll take it off you and they will get through you um, on a turnover. I think it's one of the, the reasons that this team has been successful the past few seasons was because it is good at that and that will be absolutely pivotal, I think, on Thursday. Yeah, I mean, I think that's spot on. Um, you know, I think that this would have been the type of game that it would you would have seen Davis, Jack and Kamara. I think that would have been a, a stick on for Thursday night had Ryan Jack been fit. But we could, we've got Davis, we've got um, Kamara. I wonder... David, if he might be tempted to put Joe Rebo up front and sacrifice either Roof or Morelos and then maybe bring in John Lundstrom to, to play a bit deeper and, and keep the ball. I wouldn't fall down shocked and I think there have been signs in the past two games that Lundstrom is, is getting to the kind of rhythm of the side. Yeah, possibly and I think I talked a wee bit more about after he got sent off um, and obviously there was a bit of a backlash, I talked about managing games and managing him into our style of play and, and we all said that you know he needs time and things like that and I think he does I, I wouldn't be shocked if as you, as you said if he pops up on Thursday and that's going to be key like you said and, and I think judging by the wee bits I've seen last night I haven't said a lot but obviously listening to what the boys were saying in the chat and things they, they've watched I think that Leon pushed quite high up so there might be space in behind us and what's good about it is we've got options, you know, if if we wanted to to play Ruth through the middle in fashion at one side and Kent at the other with pace. And I know people will be shaking their head and going, you know, why would you drop Morelos? I don't think he will. I'm just saying that these are options. I don't think he will. I don't think no. he, he ever, no. he ever considers that. My point that I'm trying to kind of, you know, get to almost clumsily is that at least there's options of, of what we can do. Scott Wright's also available. So even if, you know, if we could try and um, contain and, and and maybe then 
change things later. We have options to do that. If you're looking at 70 minutes, Scott Wright and Fashion Sakala coming on with that pace, then you know that's a good thing. And the ICs arrived, so I think that's a sign for us that uh, we should consider wrapping this pod up and go out and get a double nugget. But, uh, yeah, very much looking forward to Thursday. Now, to everyone who's, who's in contact with me, thank you so much for, for all your help over the last week and your kind wishes to the two boys, which uh, I pass on to them. Um, and I know it's a, it's a big comfort to them as they're going through this ordeal at the moment. Um, we reiterate the message, don't buy, don't share, don't click the daily record. Uh, it's shown itself up for what it is, a hypocritical scum tabloid. And Scottish society, I think, has been showing up for the hypocrisy and the double standards which Rangers fans are forced to undergo in this country. We will not be letting it go. Um, we're no longer accepting this. We are no longer prepared to be treated differently to other people. And it's either that you realise the rules that you've set uh, for us are unfair or you have to abide by them too. And that's always been our intention. It's it's quite clear. None of us want to see people lose their jobs for tweets they did when they were 17 and 18. But if that's the rules that have been applied to us, then that's the rules that have been applied back the way. Um, it's it's really up to those who set impossible standards for Rangers fans, hoping that knowing that we can't meet them uh, and then use it as a stick to beat us, that we're no longer prepared to accept this. So the double standard is going to become a thing of the past. And I'm not asking people to suddenly... Start loving us. Um, there are people out there who absolutely hate us, but they'll no longer be able to get away with treating us in that fashion. Uh, the Ranger supporters come together and uh, are not going to be broken. So, thank you again to everyone who's been in touch over the last week or so. Right, that will do us here on the Heart and Hand for uh, this particular episode. There'll be a show out later in the week, Heart and Hand Extra, which will discuss the Leon game. And look ahead to Flag Day against Motherwell, which we're all very much looking forward to. Of course, my thanks to our executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Miles, and my thanks to the wonderful Stevie Clifford. Nah, David, thanks for having us. Um, I would just like to point out, how loud was that ice cream van? I'm not out in the garden, it sounded it sounded really loud, but it's just it, outside. It did, but that's just good advertising. <laughs> that's ridiculous. That's, that's, that, look, look right now... Boats. All I can think about is a double nugget. Frankly, I shouldn't have said that because it's all I can think about now. Um, so I'll need to wait for my IC to come round later on today. But thank you, Stephen. No, thank, thank you, you mate. Um, exciting weekend. Thanks um, again for having us. Thank you. Anytime, my friend. Thank you so much, folks. We'll talk to you again later in the week. You know where you can find more Heart and Hand content? It's heartandhand.com. Uh, sorry, it's patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. Uh, you can go to heartandhand.co.uk if you want to buy a bit of tat with our logo on it. Um, it'll annoy people these days, I think. So, you know, represent. And of course, you can check out Stevie on the Four Lads Had a Dream blog. Just search for Four Lads Had a Dream on Google. Up it'll pop and go and have a read. Stevie's stuff is always worth reading. My thanks to everyone in the Heart and Hand stable for being part of this, but especially to all of you. Take care, and I hope your team wins on Thursday. Bye. Podcast Network.